Good morning. Good morning. I've been away, and it's so nice to be back uh, together with you in this sacred space. Um, the, the reading from Jeremiah is a, was a complicated way to talk about hope in Israel, in Judah, even in the light of their imminent destruction uh, and exile into Babylon. And so that, that was a symbolic, prophetic gesture to, to say, hey, we'll be back. Uh, the Timothy reading is powerful and, and, and speaks very directly uh, to our relationship with money and, and, and what it means to follow God in, in a world where we are consumers and, and struggling with, with wealth. But the gospel gives us this, this story that whole doctrines of hell have been erected on, right? And, 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 but, but it begs the question, why does Jesus tell that story at that particular time? Um, up to this point, the Jesus we keep needing in this gospel, um, he continually scandalizes the, the people who are in charge. He is seen as a subversive threat to the established order. And the folks who are in charge, the scribes and the Pharisees, they keep confronting Jesus at every turn, trying to um, diminish him, trying to marginalize him. But Jesus keeps responding with different parables, different teachings in his effort to get them to wake up and to see the extent to which they are enslaved by their religion that presumes to serve God, the living God. In fact, Jesus detects a, a, a real pathogen in their relationship to God and to the world. You know, we hear those stories of families uh, who, unbeknownst to them, uh, there's a leak and carbon monoxide poisons them. It's, it's, it's as if Jesus perceives, detects this carbon monoxide in their, in their relationship to God, and, and he wants to diagnose and, and call them to repent, to, to change from their addiction or dependency on wealth, or what he calls mammon, in order to be set free to partner with God and one another. Now, this conflict is between two very different orientations, right? You've got the, uh, well, it's the difference between serving the living God, whom Jesus called Father, on one hand, and serving mammon on the other. Mammon. It's a, it's, it's a catch-all term that is more than just the love of money, right? Mammon is a system that uh, presumes to, to be God, and it promises to fulfill our needs 
if we but obey it. But it's a false God. It's a false concept of God. Mammon, in fact, used, used religion to neglect justice. Mammon promised materialistic comfort and spiritual security, but it was self-righteous. It is self-righteous by nature and always leads to hypocrisy. Mammon, the, the system of mammon, uh, obsesses about who is in and who is out. And mammon is motivated by greed. So mammon is that carbon monoxide. It's that, it's that subtle pathogen that blinds us not only to the living God, but, but to the beautiful people whom God loves that don't seem to fit the criteria. So this clash between two very different kingdoms comes to a head. And, and as Jesus says, look, no slave can serve two masters. A slave will either hate the one and love the other or be devoted to the one and despise the other. In other words, dear people, he says, you simply cannot serve both God and mammon. So he's inviting us to wake up, to open our hearts, to see reality a little deeper, to recognize the ways we ourselves become dependent and, and addicted to what we think will save us. The way out of a life of mammon, Jesus says over and over again, is by forgetting yourself and, and, and paying attention to the other. It's the way of the cross. The Son of Man must undergo great suffering and he will be rejected by the chief priests and the scribes and the Pharisees. Those who want to save their life by mammon will lose it and those who lose their life to follow Jesus will save it. So Jesus gives us the antidote uh, to, to a life controlled by our reptilian brain that only seeks to satisfy its desires and avoid pain and suffering. The antidote is to sell your possessions and give alms. For where your treasure is, aha, that's where your heart really is. I was a student here in 1974 when the famous Rinpoche, he, he was a Tibetan uh, Buddhist monk, and he was on a nationwide tour that was very controversial. I just heard about this guru coming to town, and out of curiosity, I went to, uh, I think it was uh, Paul Gauditorium, and um, it was packed. And Rinpoche was late, like real late, 30 minutes. People were just, what's the deal? When he finally came, he was attended by very attractive, uh, scantily clad women. And he himself had 
had rings and bracelets and a mink stole. He was wearing a, a, some kind of a wrap. And he was smoking. And, and he, was, he, he was distracted. And he'd come on stage, then he'd go off. Pretty soon you hear smatterings of booze and, and, and folks start leaving. Because now it's been about an hour. I, I, I'm just a journal, I'm just curious, observing this. And finally, it gets down to, out of a full auditorium, I dare say there were three dozen of us, a small group. It looked like everybody who was there was going to stay, so Rinpoche said, are y'all going to leave or stay? He said, well, I will stay. Okay, then let's get to work. He takes off all his jewels, his coat, the ladies leave, and he sits down in a chair and begins to teach. He knows how addicted we are to those shiny objects and the degree to which our, our, our lives are attached to false gods, to false securities is the degree to which we cannot commit to the real living God as revealed, as embodied in Jesus of Nazareth. So, with this background, let's, let's turn to today's text. And it's important to note that just before the reading of this text, uh, it says, the Pharisees, who were lovers of money, heard all this about Jesus, and they ridiculed him. Jesus replies, you are those who justify yourselves in the sight of others, but God knows your heart. What you value is not what God values. And then he tells them the story of the rich man and Lazarus as we have it in our pew sheet. A poor man named Lazarus lay at a rich man's gate covered with sores. And it's true that the rich man was self-indulgent, he dressed in purple, fine linen, feasted. But what was wrong with that? He wasn't hurting anyone. It was his money to do with as he chose, I'm sure he imagined. He attended synagogue, gave the required tithe to the temple. His expenditures were probably good for the economy. From the outside looking in, he appeared blessed. But then Jesus points out the problem, the pathogen that so blinded him to God's beloved, to God's path. He points out that someone who had been invisible to the rich man, this was Lazarus, the poor man at his gate, who would have been glad to satisfy his hunger with scraps, even scraps, but the rich man was oblivious. Lazarus literally was invisible. From the rich man's point of view, the poor man was a nothing and a nobody. He had no negotiable skills to display, no attractive features, couldn't offer anything. He was unclean. Well, they both die, and as it turns out, in heaven, their roles are reversed, right? 
there's Lazarus by Abraham's side, and there's poor rich man who's really upset by this turn of events. And he begs Abraham to send Lazarus down just to wet his tongue as if Lazarus had nothing better to do than continue to serve him. So, while from the outside, the rich man was not violating any rules and regulations and was no obvious threat, mammon had made him impervious to his brother in need. It made him oblivious to both Jesus and Lazarus. So, this story calls us to pay attention to each other, to ourselves, not in a, in, a, in a greedy, acquisitive way, a way of the appetites, but to cherish who God cherishes, to think as God thinks, to feel as God feels, to act as God acts. So, in conclusion, I think we're, we are given a choice to become more aware of the ways in which we are, in fact, addicted to things that, that keep us from realizing our, our, our true identity as the beloved sons and daughters that we are. And our attachment to things makes us anxious. It's true. But, you know, the radiance of of Jesus, who is a who, not a what. The radiance of Jesus, who unlike mammon, is not an it, but a thou. Jesus is the radiance who comes to each one of us as gift, not as reward. And we are invited to to recognize the risen one and to walk around in the newness of risen life by the Spirit, loving and serving each other. It's not black and white. We, we have Pharisees within us. We have the poor, unclean within us. Sometimes those are fighting. But if we can just recognize what Jesus is giving us in this story and, and start helping one another, depending on one another and, and noticing those who have been invisible and, and, and look again with the eyes of God and to welcome them to the table, that's the kingdom of God. It's fun. It's real. It's a lot better than, than our piddly efforts to secure ourselves. So may God give us all grace as we come to this table and, and receive from, from his hand that we might be inspired and encouraged uh, in this world uh, that we can love ourselves and others for God's sake. Amen. Amen.